everywhere. This is the Hockey Flow, and I'm pleased to share with Adam Boucher, Mark and D'Amico, both of which you can find on Twitter. Adam can be found at really Adam B, and Mark can be found at MN D'Amico, that's M-N-D-A-M-I-C-O, on Twitter. And of course, you can find his work at Montreal Hockey Now, where he writes all these famous and fabulous articles and the in-depth analysis that you would want from the hockey world. I'm Major Cordero. Let's bring you into today's episode, where we're going to start off with the wins against Tampa in the shootout. And of course, we're going to have to talk about last night's loss against Ottawa. Still a career highlight for Mr. Barron, who got his first career goal. Adam, lead us off. What do people need to know? Yeah, that, that was one heck of a first career goal. Like the way I'm sure Mark was going to agree right after, but the way Barron just, just skated the like half of the zone and just, just shot the puck afterwards. What a way to start to kickstart your career, right? And he was he was on the topic list way before he scored. Like he's just been playing really well and uh, playing on the power play. He's been getting tons of ice time, and honestly, it shows that he's gonna. He has great talent, and once he he gets more into the groove of of the NHL level, he's gonna be a great defenseman. You know, watching him walk that line live was pretty impressive. Um, you know, I couldn't help. Most goals now, like you don't really, uh, you don't really react or get up, but you couldn't help but react to that goal, no matter how un, you know unbiased you are. Like that was a pretty goal, and that Selly right after was elite. Um, so, you know, it was good, and I know we're going to focus on the goal, but I'd like to take us elsewhere than the goal. I think that his puck recuperation, uh, his gap control has gotten a lot better. Uh, there's more flow to his game. And the transition game has started to show itself a little bit more. Um, when I spoke to his uh, coach from the Colorado Eagles, uh, Greg Cronin, uh, he told me that for, for Barron to reach the next level, he's going to have to be more engaged uh, in games and, 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 you know, develop kind of that angry side, almost like a dodgeball, got to get angry moment. Um, and that's what you see right now. You're seeing a more engaged, more alert uh, Baron, less deer in the headlights, uh, like we saw uh, in game, you know, his first and second game, uh, and I think it's it's really starting to show. Uh, Justin Barron had five shots on goal yesterday, uh, by far the the top of any Canadian. On, on I think the the second player had three. I think it was Caulfield. So he was getting pucks on net. He was patrolling the blue line. He was getting the puck up the ice. And again, I stress, he is just. 20 years old um so obviously very promising things but this is a high for justin Barron, and there are chances that the high the adrenaline ends at a certain point and it comes back down so it's just important to know to 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 to, to give a kid like that some patience uh and the benefit of the doubt and allow him to learn through his mistakes uh because we you know, clearly you could see what he can do when he's on his game. And and this just this blue line is so fun to watch. Like I, I know it's it's basically just just make those young kids play since uh the season's lost, but it's pro- and the blue line's probably gonna be way different next year. But to see guys like Barron, like Harris, like even Schooneman log seventeen to fifteen minutes in ice time, uh it's just refreshing and and what to say about Romanov he he played 2154 last night he's like if everything goes like this into next season he's going to be the number one and then he's going to have Edmondson to basically help him out on on the D side but he's playing like a number one and he's he's growing into the the, that that first slot that first role yeah, I mean, uh, he's 
a de facto number one at this point. And, uh, you know, it, it's really been good. Uh, I think I like the words that Luke Richardson used today is that uh, Romanov needs to better manage his games. And that's because he never had to do that in the KHL. He never had to load manage. Uh, because when he was played 30 minutes a game, it was in short seven to eight game tournaments, um, not an 82 game season. So what they said is that by the, by the end of the third period, you know, by the middle of the third period, he's already gassed because he gives so much of himself uh, so early and so often in a game that uh, by the end of it, he, he just doesn't have the energy to keep up, which is why you don't see him in overtime, according to them. So I think... For Romanov to truly be a top pairing defenseman or to, to, to be used as a top pairing defenseman for the Canadians, not necessarily a top pairing D throughout the league, he's definitely going to have to learn how to manage, uh, you know, the way he plays and the energy he uses. Because uh, not every shift has to be 120%. You can you can play at 100% for the full game instead of 120% for 55 minutes. Uh, and that's the way I see it. So a little bit of maturity in his case and... Obviously, he wasn't going to know how to fix that playing 17 minutes a game under Dominic Ducharme. So this is why you want him to play 20, 27, 28 minutes a game now. Yeah, and, and look, if if the biggest like changes a 22-year-old defenseman needs to make is, is basically load management and, and maturity, that's that's pretty encouraging to me. And unless, unless the Habs go out on in the offseason and, and acquire another top defenseman he's going into next season as number one and it's encouraging to see yeah i mean it's going to be uh there's a lot of work that's still left to be done on on what it is he wants to do and needs to do uh to be a top pairing defenseman long term it's also going to be interesting to see if the canadians go out and sign another defenseman of top pairing status because there's not that many that are going to be available you have maybe john klingberg uh chris latin and that's that's close to it you know so it's going to be uh you know if they just want to go in status quo i think that romanov just really has to has to get with it in terms of, of, of taking it easy and i think by having younger players available that can play uh, and, and, and help throughout and are more uh, built to play the three-on-three game in overtime, should it ever get to that, and it does often at this point in the season, I think it offers the team options. And I think that's what we haven't seen from the Montreal Canadiens in a long time. Let's discuss some comments that were made by Brennan Gallagher, uh, reported on by Eric Engels, and concerning Tim Stutzla, and a concern that a lot of hockey fans have shared, but it is kind of interesting to see this, these kinds of words coming out from Brendan Gallagher so publicly. Marco, why don't you take us through these? Yeah, well, Tim Stutzla has developed in less than two seasons of play in the NHL the reputation of a diver. Right? He's had a few embellishment penalties over the last two years. He's obviously, it's, it's a, it, you can see the ease at which he lets itself fall um now obviously yesterday was a different story i found that the the hit from nick suzuki uh was borderline dirty uh um you know it was his fault for for that hit and the angle was not very good at all um but stutzla looked like someone shot him when he fell to the ice there so there's 
there's a little bit of, of, of give and take here. Do I think it was a dirty hit? Yes. Do I think Stutzla milked it like, you know, the, 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 the community cow? Yes. So at the same time, when you look at how he conducts himself, his reputation is catching up. I think Montreal has played Ottawa at this point, what, 14 times, 13 times uh, over the last uh, year at this point? Um, that's a lot of hockey. And you get to learn about a player after a certain point. And I think the Canadians are frankly just tired of watching him scream bloody murder. And I mean, I can understand Brendan Gallagher, but the number one player in the league for uh, penalty generation is Brendan Gallagher. He gets the most amount of calls against him. Or not against him, but for him, against the other team. So it is a little difficult to take it seriously uh but again gallagher has the scars to to back that up right gallagher has the injuries the beatings the withered face to back up the fact that he just he can go and force the other team to take penalties uh tim stutzla looks like a newborn baby um and doesn't have a scratch or, or anything to show for he's consistently shies away from physical contact. So it, it's not his style to be uh, a menace. It is Gallagher's, and Gallagher, you know, takes beatings accordingly. And, you know, he doesn't fall to the ice and pull a Mike Ribeiro in pain uh, every time he gets cross-checked in front of the net and sometimes loses a tooth and is a bloody face and is yelling at the ref from the bench like we saw in the playoffs against the Philadelphia Flyers in 2020. That is Brendan Gallagher. I don't think you'd ever see that from Tim Stutzla. And I can understand why Brendan Gallagher would be frustrated because at a certain point in time, it devalues the flow of the game. And I feel like, you know, I would rather see diving and embellishment crack down on heavier than I do uh, two dudes chirping at each other between the bench like we saw uh, between uh, uh, Pat Maroon uh, you know, that to me is part of hockey. Uh, talking trash is part of hockey. Diving belongs in a pool, not on a rink. And, uh, to, and it's something that I have been overly critical about when it comes to Stutzla dating back to when he was playing in the DEL. Um, and ultimately, like I said, uh, the league is going to start taking notice because refs on Twitter came out to applaud Gallagher's words. So clearly, the referee community is also aware of this problem. Yeah, and, and let's, like, 100% what you said, and let's just stay on the Gallagher subject. It's not the, the only thing he did last night. He also scored, which was his first even-strength goal in, in of the season in 44 games. Like, in 44 games. Like, we're, I, I like his comments, what he comes out, what he brings, the energy, but that's a 6.5 million player. That scores one even strength goal in 44 games, and he's signed for another five years at that cap hit. Is that like, that's worrisome, no? I mean, a, 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 I this is the way I look at things. The 30 goal scoring Brendan Gallagher is gone. I don't think that's happening again. The veteran 20 goal scoring two way Brendan Gallagher, I think, is what we have to look forward to. Uh, as hockey fans of this team. I think that at the end of the day, 
that contract was a thank you for your services contract, less so much a what have you done for me lately kind of contract. So I don't um, I don't foresee this um, you know being a long term issue. I think Kent Hughes is going to try to shake himself free of that contract uh, sooner rather than later. But in the meantime, it doesn't make or take away uh, anything from what he said. I think at the end of the day that you make $900,000, $6.5 million or $12.5 million, um, there's a range. I'm not saying there's a proper way. I'm not, I'm not going to be that finite. But there's a range in which you can play in this league and be taken seriously as a professional. And Gallagher is right in the middle of it. Right dab in the middle of it. I don't think anybody can question Gallagher's work ethic or the way he plays. What, you know, Tim Stutzla is on the outside looking in right now. And I think that's the problem. And, you know, a lot of people will come to defend him by trying to devalue what Brennan Gallagher has done in his career or talk about, it, you know, his cap hit or whatnot. Uh, I've seen it online. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the only person this this kind of play deserves is, is Tim Stutzla because for all the diving he's done, Ottawa is no better this year than they were last year. In fact, they were worse. Now let's turn our attention to some of the half signings this week, including Josh Roy getting a three-year ELC, Lucas Condata getting a free agency going to one-year ELC, and Emil Heineman who got a three-year ELC. Adam, what are the things that we need to know? Well, first of all, I'm sure Marco's going to back it up after, but Joshua Roy is just on fire this year, and, and this contract is is so well-deserved. He's up to 97 points in 53 games in the queue. Uh, a fifth-rounder, like, talk about a steal. And as for the, basically, the two other signings, uh, Kandora, who was a free agent, and NCAA free agent, and Emil Heinemann, who was part of the Chara deal, uh, are probably both going to be playing in Laval next year. So that's great. Uh, just two great young players for Laval. And Josh Roy, probably also going to Laval next year. But he's going to be interesting to see in, in camp next year. So Josh Roy actually cannot go to the AHL next year. Um, he is too young. True. Exactly. In fact... If Joshua Roy were born five weeks later, he would be eligible for the 2022 NHL draft. Uh, just to show you how young he is. So it's Montreal or Phoenix. Uh, sorry, Montreal or Sherbrooke, I should say. Um, and so, you know, extremely well-deserved and obviously, you know, super humble individual. I've spoken to him twice now in the last month. Um, you know, well-deserving, but also knowing of the obstacles and the work ahead of him and willing to face them head on. So, uh, a, you know, good, good head on his shoulders. And, uh, you know, all those around him have no doubt that he will eventually carve himself out a career in the NHL. Um, but uh, in his case, basically what we could see, um, if the Sherbrooke Phoenix are eliminated early this year, uh, Joshua Watt could sign a professional tryout to finish the season with the Laval Rocket as they go deeper into the playoffs, if they go deeper into the playoffs. Now, we have Luka Kondata and uh, Emil Heinemann, who sign contracts that only kick in next season, 2022-2023. Kondata, being a 24-year-old, had to sign a one-year contract because that's how the CBA determines it. Emil Heinemann, still being 20 years of age, 
signs a three-year deal. But again, both start next year, so they had to sign professional tryouts so that they would be able to join the Laval Rocket for the rest of the season and then the playoffs. I think Heinemann obviously uh, was going to get signed, in my opinion. Even though he was still under contract with his club in Sweden, Lexans IF, uh, basically the way that it works is the uh, transfer agreement between the Swedish Hockey League and the NHL uh, allows a t- a, you know allows the signee uh, of of the of the player, so basically the Canadians, to send or transfer funds to the Swedish club in return for the player, even though he's under contract. The reason why that doesn't happen, say, example, with Russian players in the KHL is because there is no transfer agreement. So a little bit of tidbit for you. Uh, Emil Heinemann was injured um, up until recently. And then obviously when news came out that he was planning on going to North America, he was sat. uh, And Lexans was recently eliminated from the SHL playoffs. So he was free to go. So uh, we should expect him in the Montreal area probably over the next week or so. Um, and then we'll see where he's at with his health. Turning our attention now to around the league, let's talk about Mr. Ryan Getzlaff retiring at the end of the season. A one-team player with the Anaheim Ducks drafted in 2003 just after they that heartbreaking loss to many Ducks fans to the NJ Devils. I remember that series very, very well. Uh, and I think a lot of us remember that hit against Paul Correa. But then from those ashes, we eventually had a Stanley Cup champion team. And Getzlaff has been a huge part of that success. Marco, sing those accolades. I would just like to point out how huge the 03 draft was for the Anaheim Ducks. Because um, it's not just Ryan Getzlaff, it's also Corey Perry. Um, and none of them were top 10 picks. Like, an incredible franchise-defining draft. Um, but Ryan Getzlaff is the only one that stuck around for his entire career. Corey Perry was unfortunately bought out a couple of years ago and then signed with Dallas and then Montreal and then Tampa Bay. Um and then Getzlav has been a duck the whole time, the captain. Um, he was seen really as the heir apparent at center uh, from the moment he was drafted. Uh, I'm not even going to look at where he played in junior because I know he played in Calgary um, for the Hitman. And I will always remember how upset I was that day because I wanted... Two players for the Montreal Canadiens, Jeff Carter and Ryan Getzlaff. And to me, when those two players retire, it's the end of an era because those are the two young players that got me into drafts and, and hockey uh, and, and watching them kind of evolve. Uh, and the way that, you know, Getzlaff has had a Hall of Fame career, basically been around, sustained, evolved with the game uh, and, and was really you know, the figurehead with, with Corey Perry, um, you know, for a very competitive Ducks team, uh, you know, at the turn of the salary cap era. So, you know, you know, to me, I tip my cap off to him. He's basically won everything there is to win. Uh, in my opinion, Hall of Fame, um, that's just me. I guess I'm a little biased, but I don't think, uh, I think there are very few centers since 2005 till now that I've retired that I've done what Ryan Getzlaff has done. So to me, uh, he should definitely find himself there. He's a hundred percent a hall of famer. Like he, a thousand points, close to a thousand pins. He's won a cup Olympics world juniors. I believe he's won everything. He's even played for the ducks when they were called the mighty ducks. Like he's, he's just won it all like 
Hall of Famer, 100%. Let's talk about Jonathan Huberdeau, who recorded the most assists by a left winger in a single season now with 71. Wow, that is crazy. Congrats to the Florida Panthers and their fans. That must be so exciting. Adam, sing the accolades. Yeah, so he's recorded the most, well, the most assist in a season for Florida Panthers, uh, I believe for a left winger. And a left winger with 71. Now he's up to 76 and just hit the 100-point uh, plateau yesterday. So with 102 points in 70 games, that's that's an MVP-type season for Huberto. It was, it was 5-1. I just want to point out that it was 5-1. But yeah, I'd like to see Austin Matthews cause a comeback of five goals six at the end of it all to cause that kind of an upset over the, over a championship level team like Jonathan Huberdeau did because Jonathan Huberdeau is at 102 points. A Florida Panther has a hundred points. There hasn't been a hundred point player in the Montreal Canadiens since Christ wore pants. And we have Jonathan Huberdeau here absolutely blowing it up. Kudos to him. Uh, a player that many called a bust, uh, you know, one, two, three years after he was uh, drafted by the Florida Panthers. I mean, look at this guy. 31 points in 48 games, 28 points in 69 games, and then, boop, 54 points in 79 games. And it just kept growing from there. A 92-point season, an over-point-per-game season, another one, and then 100 points. The dedication and perseverance of this player in a market that didn't yet appreciate him for what he was worth I think Jonathan Huberdeau deserves everybody's respect and deserves yeah, the heart. Yeah, like the, the, the team is stacked, sure, but he has almost 30 points more than the second score on the team, which is Barkov with 76. Like, say what you what, whatever you want, but Huberdeau is carrying the Panthers and he's putting on an MVP season, so give him the heart. That's all I'm going to say. Give him the heart and they're going to go win the Stanley Cup. That's I'm going to say it right now. Let's turn to the debate between Matthews and Dreisaitl with the race for the Rocket Richard Trophy currently at 50. Marco, who you picking? Who's the horse we back? I mean, this is going to be considered blasphemy here, but I'm still an Austin. I think Austin Matthews is going to win the scoring title. I'm sorry. I think Austin Matthews is going to win the, the Maurice Richard hands down. I think at this point, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, well, maybe we'll see. Austin Matthews has 47 goals in his last 47 games. He's going to be the first player since Ovechkin, I think, to score 50 and 50. Uh, that is wild. And the reason why he's able to do that is because he's great, but also because Mitch Marner has 64 points in his last 34 games. That is lunacy. Absolutely. Like, people keep talking about Austin Matthews winning the heart. How the heck can you win the heart? when you're not even the best overall player on your line. Because Mitch Marner, since 2022, is by far the league's leading scorer. Has really taken his game up a notch, uh, if not two. And is, to me, one of the most elite wingers, if not right now, the best winger in the league, even beyond Huberto. It is incredible to watch how Mitch Marner has evolved. So I, I think because of Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews will win the scoring title. I don't think that 
Leon Dreisaitl is going to be keep, be able to keep up. Um, I think they play in a tougher division in a tougher situation. Um, and I think Toronto has an easier division. They could feast on teams like Buffalo, Montreal, although it hasn't worked out lately. Uh, you know, the Detroit Red Wings uh, and so on. And I believe ultimately Matthews deserves it. Uh, it. It's a feat for him to be scoring the way he's scoring and how he has been scoring for, you know, basically since the month of November, because ba- remember he had a nice slump in the month of November where he had like one goal in 10 games. And now here we are 47 goals in 47 games. That is a feat. And, and 54 goals in 65 games. Like that's almost a goal per game. It's He's just the best goal scorer in the league right it's now. Point, and yeah, it's, I think it's like it's, a 0. .84 goals per game. It hasn't been seen in, in, in years. It's crazy. He's just best pure scorer right now in the league, and he's going to win the, the, the Maurice Richard for sure. Like It's not even close right now. And now let's end off with giving you a look ahead to what Habs games are coming up. Tomorrow night, Thursday, at the New Jersey Devils. Saturday at in Toronto, unfortunately, but hopefully to beat Toronto. And then Monday night versus the Winnipeg Jets at the Bell Center. Last thoughts before we tag out for the show. I think, uh, you know, there's, what, there's 12 games left to the season. You know, uh, I think the Canadians are going to try to do like they did last night, even if it's in a loss, just, you know, play with fire and, and build some momentum into the next season. I think uh, as we keep going, uh, you know, their draft stock will become clearer and clearer and clearer. And I think fans will have a lot to look forward to this summer. So enjoy the hockey while you still. And with that, everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to the Hockey Flow this week. Again, I'm always privileged to share this with Adam Boucher and Marco D'Amico, who you both can find on Twitter. Adam can be found at really Adam B. And Marco can be found at MN D'Amico. And also all of his fabulous work at Montreal Hockey Now. I'm AJ Cordero. We'll catch you all next week. Cheers. <laughs>